Welcome to the School of Calisthenics podcast with your hosts, Tim and Jacko. So it is a very exciting day at the School of Calisthenics today because we are going to introduce you to our new head of nutrition, Michelle Meinking, who has been working very closely with Jacko to create a brand new nutrition resource in the virtual classroom. And I've got to say, I'm very proud of what the guys have done. Yeah, so we know that nutrition is such an important part of um, of our performance and with our, of our training, but it's not something that we have yet provided because me and Tim are not specialists in that area. Michelle is a registered dietitian nutritionist working in professional sport out in the USA at the moment, and we've collaborated because we share the same uh, philosophy on there being a health-first element or focus to trying to improve our our performance for our training because we believe so much that it's um, the importance of us being healthy, creating a healthy body, creating healthy eating habits and nutritional strategies allows us to perform at our best and be as healthy as we can for as long as possible. So we've worked together with Michelle um, on this nutrition and health course that is available now, right now, inside the virtual classroom and uh, there's so much educational content in there as well as the tools to be able to you know make your own decisions around nutritional practices everything explained from all types of different diets that you might have come across as well as those then practical things to put thing put um put practices into place uh with recipes videos to follow along um there's so much great stuff in there that we're really excited to to launch this and it really cements all everything that you're going to need to improve your health and your training because all of a sudden yes you had all the great training programs from us but now you've got the nutritional strategies to go alongside it as well and what's the only thing you need on top of that is a little bit of podcast banter we get stuck into <laughs> yeah. a bit of fun on this one and then we get we, i think jack and i both delve into our um, past nutrition experience closets and bring out a couple of skeletons that one particular i'm not very proud we're of pretty honest but it's we, worth we, getting into very honest i think we're always honest yeah. but this was particularly honest yeah um, so, so yeah. Uh, yeah we'll leave it you we'll listen to find out what we'll leave it there yeah, have a listen right, to Jacko. this have a listen then check out the new the health the new nutrition and health course inside the virtual classroom. Roll the jingle. So our newest member of the School of Calisthenics team is uh, now the Michelle, uh, the registered uh, dietitian and nutritionist at the School of Calisthenics officially. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Michelle. People are dying to hear from you. So uh, say hello to the listeners. Hello. I'm happy to be here. Excited for our watch. Yeah. So we have, um, we've, we've been sort of partnered together and working on um, something that a lot of people for a long time have been asking us for, um, the the nutrition and health course that, um, that we've put together. And um you know, just for to give people um, a little bit of background and insight and, and to get to know you um, a bit better, just a little introduction um, as to who is Michelle and, and what are you doing currently and, and what's brought you to this place to to join up with the School of Yeah, so I have um, a background first. My undergrad degree is actually in exercise sports science, which is why I kind of got into the sports realm of things. I really do like 
training and strength conditioning, all that good stuff. Um, but I just decided it wasn't what I wanted to essentially do long term. I found I really loved nutrition. Um, so I ended up getting a master's degree in nutrition. And now I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. Um, I have a few different experiences in all different types of sports, but I'm currently um, in Major League Soccer over here in the States, um, which is a lot of fun. So enjoying that a lot. Yeah, I was going to say some people would be going, I can hear it. I can hear a bit of a twang. I think she's from the United States of America. That was my my my, my attempt. But um, yeah, uh, one thing just to kick things off that um, I guess is an important has been an important thing for us, um, and I'll, I'll say for why now. Like people have been asking us. Like we know myself and Tim know that uh, we take our nutrition and our health very seriously, and we know that it is um, you know it's a very important area of training it's not just what exercises reps and sets you do and and all that that's gonna see you perform well and progress well with your training and be healthy but we ourselves are not um you know we're not dietitians we're not nutritionists so we never felt that we you know we always want to bring the, the the highest quality information the best information that we can to our um to our members and We've been waiting for the right opportunity, and that's where obviously you you came along sharing the same um, philosophy, which we can talk about in a minute around health and performance. But just give people that that don't probably don't potentially know that the um, what is the difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian? Because we might think that those two things are the same, or you know, one being better than the other. Like, what's the? Just give us a bit of the lowdown um, on those two. Yeah, of course. So that's what I actually really respected and appreciated when I first reached out to you guys was you said, well, we don't really put content out there about this because we're not experts in this um, when a lot of people try to do that anyway. So really the big difference between a registered dietitian, nutritionist and a nutritionist is anyone could essentially call themselves a nutritionist. If you talk about food or diet in any type of way, you could call yourself a nutritionist. But if you are a registered dietitian nutritionist, that essentially means that you had to go to school for at least four years, get a degree in it, because um, you can get a bachelor's or a master's. And then after getting that degree in nutrition, you have to actually do supervised rotations, internships, and training hours. And then on top of that, you have to pass a exam to become a registered dietitian nutritionist. So it's a pretty fairly rigorous route in terms of both education, training, um, and actual experience. Yeah, so the, effectively, a nutritionist is not a protected title is um, how I'd always um, understood it, whereas... Uh, so that, like you said anyone effectively could actually call themselves that yeah. um, without having potentially the education and the um you know being able to trust uh what they're saying compared to um a dietitian there's also some stuff isn't there around um what some what what someone can you know as a as a registered dietitian what you can actually prescribe in terms of like information that you're giving and, and meal plans and and that sort of stuff compared to but what what you, what what's what people are potentially doing when maybe they're not supposed to right yeah and i mean with that, like say anything, um, so nutritionists legally couldn't give out medical nutrition therapy advice. So anything that comes down to any type of disease or condition, um, that would be actually illegal for them. But again, it depends upon their background and training, but they probably don't have the same education um, behind what a registered dietitian has in order to prescribe those types of things you're saying. 
Yeah. So in a nutshell, we can trust what you've got to say, and um, we look forward to diving into a bit of um, yeah, a bit of uh, top uh, top questions about um, about health and nutrition. So just uh, I'll just kick off with the first one, that, to then let Tim jump in. But just um, this this idea on philosophy that you know that, that we we believed we shared, and hence why we started to to work together was that health being such a, an integral and important part of our training and and our nutrition and that we should have an emphasis on trying to be as healthy as possible to to eat healthily so that we have a body that will perform well that will recover well and would ha- just help continue that snowball effect and that give us better health and longevity moving forward rather than just focusing on performance where is it because if i'm just focusing on performance um i can probably i might or can probably or i might end up making some decisions that aren't necessarily um so healthy compared to um what we just said before we came on air i was talking about um when i used to play i said we talk about not being able to sleep very well and i said oh when i when i used to play a night game at, at rugby we'd have a load of caffeine to you know get for the the stimulant effect of that for 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 performance of the in the game but then it meant i wouldn't sleep all night which wasn't that very good for my health and at that point in my life like i was putting performance first over health um so just share us a little bit about that the fact that you know you're working in performance sport out in america um and and how you are still putting health first and why that's so important yeah like you said when we when we tunnel vision performance i think sometimes it's more of a very acute time frame right we're looking at like you said during the game that's two to three hours you want to perform well but then long term like not great for health and at the end of the day it's we're in it for the long game not the short game i mean we're all here we want to live a long healthy life so just trying to do things to enhance performance momentarily um to me that's not helping you out in the long run and ultimately at the end of the day if health isn't the foundation of it What's the sustainability and longevity of it? So really it's taking care of your body and putting the right things in, because if you do that anyway, you're going to see performance enhancements. So for me, it's really playing that long game as opposed to just that short, acute time frame. I love that, Michelle. And I think there's something for me that having spent many years in performance sport as well and, and watched nutritionists at work and, and watched what athletes are doing around their their training and their, their eating habits. And it, it's just, it strikes me that, you know, the first, if we go back to first principles and the basics, that's just what we're asking athletes to do. But we tailor it based on what their demands are for their lifestyle. Um, so whether they're a swimmer or a football player or, or whatever it might be, we're gonna we're gonna we're going to tailor their nutrition around the demands that they're going to put themselves through on a daily basis. To me, if you take this this idea of performance and health sitting together, then we just do the same thing as normal people we just need to tailor a nutritional plan around what we do with our bodies on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. and then the the performance aspect might come of right okay we've now got our first principles and basics nailed down now let's go and have a look at how we can optimize that performance and get an extra two percent maybe from by using certain techniques and tactics um just when we're talking about basic principles just wh- where do we need to start at because for me i feel like Nutrition in the health and fitness industry, particularly over the last, say, five years, it's just could become massively confused and it's really murky. And I don't think people really understand how simple it can be. Would you agree with that? 
Oh, 100%. I feel like we've made nutrition this big, mystical, confusing thing when at the end of the day, there's some pretty easy, solid, simple foundations that I feel like sometimes it's almost too simple and easy. It makes it sound like it's not true, you know? And it's like, I feel like we've just, we've confused people a lot, um, in my opinion. Yeah, I remember, Jack, I always joke about this one. And this is a true story. I, was, I once went into a gym and, and um, where we used to train. And somebody, somebody came in, was in the change room with a guy. And I said to him, well, how's, how's training going? How are you doing? He goes, oh, no, I feel great. I'm on the pineapple, butter, and potato diet. <laughs> <laughs> true story. And I was like, what? I've never heard that one. <laughs> I was like, oh, um, what, what's that involve? <laughs> I can guess. I can guess the three ingredients. Um, but I just, I'm like, where have we, where have we gone wrong with this? And, and Jacko said this many times to me before. If people like hard diets. Like it's almost yeah. like a badge of honor. If you do something which is almost unattainable for most people, then you're better at nutrition than everybody it's else. Almost, yeah, it's almost like we want to punish ourselves yeah. for some reason, or like, let's make we think if it's possible. <laughs> yeah, and almost like if it's not horrifically hard to do then it can't it can't work right but i think the thing that's difficult that so from me like i think the thing that's difficult to do is to just is to be consistent when you're talking about the long game and it, it is the long game that um i remember when we had dr sally bell on the podcast she was talking about with uh, not just nutrition our whole like sort of health and well-being habits she used the phrase like it's what we do for decades that's going to impact our our health and that's the, the thing that's difficult. I think is is being is getting is being consistent. Sorry if I don't know if I took you too far away, too too off track from those basic principles. That because probably good to share what some of those what are some of those basics to get right. Yeah, I mean, so that's where I was going to say. Like, I mean, first off, is just figuring out like what is sustainable and what works for you. Because I think a lot of yeah. us, like we're talking about, are trying to chase this certain type of diet we see either someone else on or we just think, hey, maybe that'll work for me. But you need to first acknowledge you're an individual, you're very unique. So what's gonna work for you and your lifestyle? Because not to mention all of us have extremely different lifestyles, right? So finding first off, like what works best for you. And then after that, like we kind of talk about it, you'll see if they check into the course next, I would say is like dietary quality. So that's like at the end of the day, nutrient density is huge in my opinion um finding foods that are nutrient dense um and filling your diet with those is a big aspect of health where i think a lot of us in today's day and age there's so many processed foods um just easy convenient things to grab and go that our quality of food has really diminished over time yeah i think you're dead right and i think that's um i think one thing for me around nutrition and from my own experience is it's um it's the, the best thing is around gradual changes of starting just to understand a little bit about what you're what you're eating and um where those like you say the sources are and thinking about i think so many people will look at something and the, and the marketing companies have told them that that's a healthy thing to eat mm-hmm. but actually where you when you strip it back it's not healthy in mm-hmm. terms of nutrient density um and and you really people have got to be very careful these days i think about educating themselves and not listening to kellogg's who tell you that cornflakes are the best thing to eat first thing in the morning because hold on a minute <laughs> i know it's a grenade i know but um just because <laughs> kellogg's in their multi-million pound marketing budget may not well i mean like eggs don't have that marketing budget do they 
or chickens, I should say, probably. <laughs> chickens, yeah. <laughs> chickens, are, I just want to lay more eggs. Well, actually, probably a lot of battery. I'm going off, off, off topic because battery hens probably don't want to, they're probably laying enough eggs. <laughs> Your free range, yeah. grass fed chickens, no, chickens don't eat grass, but you know what I mean. They're just laying eggs because they love it. I'm just happy to lay an egg I'm just I'm on cloud nine but anyway but the point is around like it's, it's, it is taking that time to go well what is in my food and do I understand that that's actually a nutrient dense um, ingredient and what else is, is kind of being put in there because it's an absolute minefield mm-hmm. yeah like you said with marketing claims these days and what they can put on packaging I mean someone will see just for example it might say gluten free and a lot of people assume oh that means it's healthy now and really you need to flip over the package, you need to be educated, look at the nutrition label, see what's in it, um, or better yet, if it's fruits and vegetables and all that good stuff, half the time it doesn't have a label, right? Which obviously is great, but we need to make sure we are educated and savvy shoppers and knowing what we're putting in our body because it can be really confusing these days. Yeah, what, are the, what are the headlines? Sorry, just to, just to pick up on that. What are the headlines then for people that are... Um, so the tr- we're trying to, if we can, the thing like I go and buy some bananas or I go and buy whatever it is that it doesn't come in a packet so it hasn't got anything to read, I'm sort of, I'm good to go. I, you know, I've got some, we've got some, uh, our, um, our harvest of tomatoes in our garden that this year has been tremendous. Um, and there's no ingredients list, there's no packaging, it's grown in our garden. So I know that that's, that's sort of, all good with my with tomatoes but for someone when they we pick up and we flip over we take this on board and go, okay i'm going to look at a bit more detail what are the sort of the headline things that you would suggest that we should be looking out for as a these things might be signs that this thing actually is quite heavily processed or these these are this is good signs that this is probably something that is going to be a little bit more healthy and a little bit more nutrient dense Yeah, that's a great question. So usually, I mean, there's kind of two main aspects to the nutrition label, right? So we have the little box with the numbers in it that kind of list out the macronutrients, so the protein, fat, and carbs. And then we also have the ingredients list. So starting with kind of the box with the macronutrients, I always like to look at the protein content, which this is, of course, going to change a lot depending upon what the food is. But to me, Mm -hmm. protein is one of those like thumbs up green light things no matter you want to see a higher number there um and then looking at the carbs it's hard because it's not listed as whether it be whole grain or complex or simple but we'll get to that with the ingredients list but looking at the fiber within that is great as well we want to usually at least like three or four grams at minimum because fiber helps keep us full is good for heart health all that good stuff um and then the fats Definitely when you see trans fat, we're going to want to see a zero there. We don't want to see any types of trans fat, but then that will also, fat is one of those trickier things because some foods are higher in fats, but again, it comes down to what type of fat. So that will be ingredients list, um, which we'll get to, sorry. And then lastly though, with the um, numbers is looking at serving size. Cause a lot of people will like pick up a box of say it's a bag of chips. Um, and you'll see the calories within it, right? And you might assume that that means, oh, this whole bag is say 130 calories, but really you look at the serving and it says, oh, it's 10 chips. This is actually three servings. So this is over 300 calories for this bag. So that's where it can get a lot of um, confusion as well and tricky with things because people will assume that it means the whole box when really there's three or four servings within it. Um, And then jumping over to the ingredients list, General rule of thumb is obviously you don't want it to be like a novel, like a paragraph long and you don't know half the words yeah. in it. Like that's 
probably not a great sign. Um, but that's a lot of that's a lot of things, though. Oh, like, for sure. Yeah. Like you flip it over, like sometimes it's crazy how much text is down there. Like it's just all of these listed ingredients, and half of them are just foreign words, right? I'm like, is this even a food? Um, so yeah. looking at that and making sure it's not super long, and you actually know the words within it, um, that's pretty big as well. Yeah, I'd I'd spend a lot of my time. I guess after you've been doing eating like this for a while, with this sort of um, philosophy, you end you start understanding what you can and can't eat because it's you, you kind of. I find that we end up buying the same sorts of things, and you kind of. Uh, there's times when I go around the supermarket and I see something and go, oh, "That looks quite nice," and I pick it up, and you look at the ingredients, and I go, "No, I'm not going to eat that. I'm going to put it back because it's not." I, there's stuff on that I don't recognize. It's got additional sugar in where I don't really need it and, and all that sort of stuff. And I think you just become a bit more diligent with, with what you are putting in your, in your supermarket trolley, um, for sure. Um, <clears throat> one thing where I was just going to, I wanted to get onto Michelle, and this might be sort of just going a little bit of a, um, of a, a, a down a little bit of a, a sidetrack on, on one thing, but where are most people going wrong if they're finding that they are struggling with their nutrition um, or they haven't got the body composition that they want or they are just and I think when it comes to performance and lifestyle performance it's a bit more difficult one because people won't necessarily if they're tired and fatigued and whatever they might not know that until they make a change but are there any sort of like real kind of key red lights for you that that where people are struggling particularly with their nutrition and, and are relatively simple things to fix yeah, I would say for the most part um, is just getting back to like real whole natural foods. Um, I think a lot of people start to stray from that just between how hectic our days can be with work and trying to, again, like that convenience factor. It can be hard to like get back in the kitchen and make your own food when at the end of the day, like that's what really brings enjoyment to your food. It helps you, I think, just um, in general, have a better diet because you're making your own food, you're preparing it. And that way you're not overeating, you know where it came from. And I think like we try and have some quick, easy fixes, whether that be picking up dinner at a to-go place, or maybe some people are like trying to supplement out of it. When I'm like, at the end of the day, we need to build those foundations first. And they might be simple, but they can be really hard to achieve just depending upon your lifestyle. Yeah, for sure. And if uh, there's another thing that was like a potential sort of um, side conversation that I thought might be worth having is in terms of um, when we talk about health and performance, I think there's a bit of a confusion around here in, in, in people's potential approaches to it, where if I train really hard and burn a load of calories, I can then go and eat whatever I want. How do you feel about that? Um, yeah, I don't have, I don't love that just because it's just, again, it's what's the consistency of it and why, why are you training? And is it just so you can go eat a ton of calories when, when you should be thinking about, okay, I just trained really hard. I got done. How do I prime myself next time and fuel properly? So afterwards, what does that recovery process look like and how am I making sure I put good things in my body to help rebuild, reinforce, rehydrate and refuel for my next session um, and making sure you're putting quality again and nutrient density versus just, okay, now I can go slam a giant burger and fries because I earned it and I just need calories at this point when that's not helping with inflammation, making sure you're building your muscles back up, all that good stuff. 
Yeah, it, remi- it reminds me of. Um, it reminds me. <laughs> you uh, can't say. You can't say it reminds me without actually doing an impression of. I can't remember his name now. Uh, Louis, Walsh. Irish, Louis Walsh from the S Factor. Every time you do that, and, and when you say it, it reminds me. I know. I'm sorry. Here comes the Irish. <laughs> Go on. Sorry. But it reminds me of when we first met. And this is potentially one of the reasons... Oh, um, don't tell Michelle about this, Jacka. This is a why, secret story. Why we're, why we're friends. Tim introduced me to something, probably, I think it was the very first time we met. Uh, we were talking about training <laughs> and food. And he's, he introduced me to something that he was trying out called carb backloading. Who was the guy that... Uh, John Kiefer. Now, it's worth saying that I, my body and um, experience of the years have been largely experimental. Uh, it's, it's, it's an ongoing research yeah. project. It's just science. And and this is this is hence why we wanted to get someone that we can trust to uh, to, to to provide the information for the for the nutrition course. But the carb backloading essentially was having no carbs during the day, and then training, and then having as many carbs but as sugary as possible um, to like replenish glycogen stores and f- that that nighttime feed after your um after your training session would fuel your next day and your next training session um i mean it was fun it was fun i'll give it that and well i did it i we uh it was before it was leading up to my i did it for like six weeks before um i got married for my wedding and it was it was it it was crazy in that and i don't want to necessarily encourage someone because i want to discourage it massively um in that like i did get like this is where the difference between like what you look like compared to what you can do with your body and what's healthy compared to, you know, just aesthetics. It was like, I did actually get pretty ripped, but I developed a terrible relationship with food yeah. that to be honest, it taught me, it was teaching me that I could in speech marks get away with do it, having like all this crap. Mm-hmm. If I manipulated things the day before and the day after and uh, and depending on when I did my training and then it was like so I could still like you know look like I was in shape and doing well but actually it was yeah I, I've always had a sweet tooth anyway so I don't need any encouragement to to have something sugary so it was I blame Tim for Tim for that but and and just being like honest that's probably yeah that's that's something that can still like plague me today if you know I me mean, because you, you built up some habits and some some things that were just not and this is where probably a, a good question actually this is where it then starts to become it's not just a physical thing it's a it's a psychological thing as well as to what the choices that we're making yeah well and I think with that too like maybe physique wise yeah you change and great but then it's also the question of what does the inside look like and that's where mm. it comes back to the long game and health um, and really what was happening on the inside of your body, not just the outside too, is something to acknowledge. Yeah. hundred percent. Like, yeah. sorry, Jack, go on. Yeah. Oh, just, I was listening to, uh, my wife was listening to a podcast that I was obviously then listening in on that, I forget the guy's name, but it was, it was like, it was like an aging specialist. Um, she's into all the health stuff and that. And um, there was, he said one thing that was like, and just resonated with us both like straight away and definitely into this thing. It was like, you can't undo like what you did. So those six weeks that I did that and then consequently like maybe dabbling with it on and off every now and again, like when I was not thinking well, is like, that's all that, all that is something that I've done to my body and it's, 
you you can't like you know it's like if you say something really nasty to somebody you can't take it back you can apologize afterwards but you can't take it back mm-hmm. like you've said it um and you've you've et that way and whatever that's done to the inside you've you got to you can try to like improve after i'm not saying like people can't then make improvements afterwards but it was just a an interesting thought that like everything that we are or why it's so important that to take this seriously everything that we are consuming um into our bodies into our minds everything is like impacting us whether you think it is or not it's having it's having a direct impact so our choices and things that we do are are going to affect us yeah i was just going to say that um just for anybody thinking writing down that uh, making notes <laughs> and i think it's time to go and google that now um what i personally found was i got really bored and tired and just didn't feel good eating sugary stuff in the evening and when we go back to those basic principles we're talking about what it was was restricted calorie diet during the day fasting until sort of mid-afternoon mm. a training session and then binging in the evening so all you're getting doing is you're getting your calories in the later on in the day but one of the most negative things that came out of that was it was the it was a it was a restricted carbohydrate diet. So they wanted the suggestion was that you had no more than thirty grams of carbohydrates before, during that morning kind of period up until before you train. Yeah. I got worried about eating bananas and carrots mm. during that period because they were suggested as to be high carbohydrate and should be avoided. I mean that's that for me looking back at it now going what was I thinking? But it's naivety, right? You just kind of go along and yeah. it's just it's crazy. Um, but I think one of the things that we'd love you to, well, you've done through the course, Michelle, but also maybe just um, we can lead from our reminiscing of a rather savage <laughs> diet that we, that we tried before. But like all of this stuff that we hear about, right, five and two and intermittent fasting and carb backloading, it's all based around these initial basic first principles, right? Yeah. Calorie deficits. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like uh, like you mentioned, we kind of talk about it in the course, um, the foundation of most of them and what it comes down to is like you said, deficits. And, but if you really look at the foundation of any of these diets, whether how extreme they are, usually it it does come down to the basics of getting back to like those real whole foods. But, um, following them is not always like, as you saw in your case, going to be beneficial because throughout the day and throughout longevity of life, it's it's just not sustainable going to work. Yeah. And I think that's a problem for people is that it's looking for a quick fix. Like the marketing did a job on me when I was looking at this thing. It was like, oh, eat the foods you want and still get ripped. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds pretty good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it didn't like it's you realize after a bit that it's just not a healthy, healthy way to be eating. Um, and it's yeah, it was um, it was an experiment. And I've, I've left those days behind me. Um, I'm, I've actually now opted for the pineapple potato and butter diet on a regular basis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Joking. I haven't really. Um, so yeah, I will, I will lead into a, a proper question around that. Um, so if, if we've got, um, habits that we are, we wanting to change, Michelle, have you got stuff like if you, if you, if you're working with people, particularly one thing I wanted to get your opinion on was if you, if people are moving from a place of not eating, what we would say is like nutrient dense and more health optimized foods, um, it's quite a taste change, isn't it, for people? You, you hear people go, oh, I, don't, I can't eat that, I don't like it. And there's some of the stuff that I've heard around nutritionists and people sharing that advice saying, oh, we're going to create a, an, a, um, an environment where, or a, a, a nutritional plan where you can eat the foods that you like because you can't adhere to foods that you don't like. So it's a pointless kind of, a, of approach. What are your thoughts on how people can navigate through that kind of, I'm going to call it a transition period because that's what I genuinely think it, it, it is. But it's, it's not easy is it, to go from eating 
real processed things to all of a sudden having to eat whole foods because your body just goes, well, I can't really like this very much. Yeah, that's a good question. So it's, it is hard because like you said, your taste palate changes so much. And I think that over the time span, we've just gotten used to such processed sugary foods that that's what our taste buds crave and that's what we want. And sometimes it can be so hard to get off of that, but it's really trying to make like small, like you mentioned earlier, gradual steps. So say you have just for an easy example, a cup of coffee and you're used to putting a tablespoon of sugar in it or more, um, starting with, okay, let's slowly start cutting this back. Um, it's just like anything else. You, you have to start slow, small steps in order to get there. Same with maybe a type of food that you don't super enjoy. Like um, I, I'd say you can't stand broccoli, but hey, can I find a way to mix this into other foods? It's almost like with kids, like trying to hide it. Um, and eventually over time, it just becomes something that is normal to you. Maybe you'll even start to enjoy it, but it's, it's finding ways to slowly work things in maybe that you don't love, but you know, are good for you. And also slowly cutting back on those things that maybe aren't super great, um, and helping you with your health goals. Yeah. I think a big thing for me on that one as well is starting to try and enjoy cooking. Like if you enjoy cooking and you get into recipe books, I mean, there's so we've got, um, one recipe book, which my sister bought me, which is like a tray bake recipe. It's actually a, um, a vegetarian vegan book, but it is incredible. And it's like one it's healthy meals, like just in one pan and you just make it by chucking things in at different stages and banging it in the oven. And if you start, I think if you can start to, to take some enjoyment out of the process of cooking, it's then, and you start making your own sauces and you're not buying jars of, of stuff, it's actually then quite easy to start playing around with the different ways that foods can be presented. Um, I, never, I used to hate Brussels sprouts when my mum used to make them uh, at Christmas. Whereas now, if I put them in with some bacon or chorizo and fry them up <laughs> over Christmas, I'm, I'm all over Brussels sprouts. And that's once a year. But um, you know what I mean? It's, you, can, you can definitely change your nutritional habits and what the foods that you enjoy by just trying to experiment with food presented and created and cooked in, in different ways. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when, when you start cooking your own food, you can definitely change the flavor. But I also think too, like, even if I cook a dish, um, I don't know, like you take, I just, I have more enjoyment eating it because you have pride and I made this and you start really tuning into like, oh, I can really taste the garlic there. Or, you know, you just, I just feel like you are more um, present when you're eating, when you make your own mm. food as well. Yeah. And that can have a, that can have a prof- quite a profound impact on the, digestion right so if we're we're more present when we're eating we're more um yeah tuning into those different things um that's going to actually help us um digest and take on those foods better yeah. i think the other thing like just uh, when you say like how your palate changes and just almost just like trying things or like you said there tim like having something but putting a different putting some different spices with it just trying something different with it i used to be terrible as a kid for like your classic vegetables and whatnot. And there's things that I eat now that I I went through that phase. It was like, I don't like them. I would never eat them. And then like, I forced myself to eat them because I didn't really like them and struggled for a while. And then like, okay, we can sort of, I can bear this thing if I, if I've have got it with these other things mixed in. And then after a while, it's like, I actually quite like these. And then like, now it's like, there's some things I eat now that I absolutely love and I'd look at my plate and I said it to my wife a few times. I sat down like looking at my plate again. I'd have never eaten this 10 years ago and I am absolutely loving it. Um, and it's something, the encouragement for me is like, if you want to make some some changes and have eat, you know, have a, a healthier 
um, eating pattern and, and foods that you probably know what they they may need to be, but you don't like them is like stick with it and give it some give it some time and give it some yeah give your palate some time to to change and and it will it will genuinely change you know you you wouldn't you wouldn't recognize me from what I used to I don't even really want to say what I used to eat <laughs> it was it's like no but Joey like looking back it's embarrassing when you think about it, if you go far enough back um but it definitely does change and then you actually go from something that you didn't used to like at all to actually like looking forward to and the thing and I think you're right you're both right about like but taking part in the in actually cooking it helps with that process in itself yeah cooking's not difficult like if you get some some recipe books now it's so easy to get really easy tasty food at home which is actually like um, really cost effective as well just on that I'm just interested to know because I've had one experience of this have you ever tried to train yourself onto a new food that you knew was going to be good for you but you just couldn't get over the hump of like actually enjoying it because I've got one. Oh. oh, I've got one that I don't like. You've, have you tried to train yourself onto it? <sighs> probably not. Probably not train myself. I don't want it enough. What is it? Celery. Oh no, I like celery. And, uh, celery and hummus, game changer. Yeah, or peanut butter. Oh no! And see, I've not tried that. Someone what? said that to me a while ago, and they're like, "Celery and peanut butter wasn't very good." And I'm like, "What? You've you've just tried to eat a mild onion and peanut <laughs> butter? Like, what? At what point do you think that was going to be a good idea?" <laughs> um, mine's mackerel. Like, I wanted to oh. get more oily fish in my diet, and I try, and I know what it is. I've got to just eat mackerel in a different way. But I was buying it from the supermarket, from the chilled section, and putting it on a salad. And I was literally like, I tried it for a few weeks, and I was like eating a salad whilst gagging because oh, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't get it. What I about just... it? We were had some fresh. We had fresh mackerel in uh, in in Cornwall on the holiday recently. What was yeah. what didn't you like about it? I, I don't. It's proper fishy, isn't it? And I think the I well, think I, it's, I think if, if it was hot, I think that might help. But oh, well, cold, you're having it cold. Yes, cold out the fridge. You know, where it's pre-cooked and it comes out of the out of the fridge in the in the supermarket. Uh, right, no, get some, get some, get some mackerel on that barbecue, mate. And yeah. it doesn't. It's not fish like like to me. Like I don't like tuna's too fishy. Like I find really? tuna really fishy. Yeah, you yeah. can eat sardines out of a tin. That's got to yeah. be the fishiest thing That's, in the world. Isn't oh, it? they're amazing. Yeah, sardines. Anchovies. Yeah, I'm not into sardines either. I wish, but yeah, I opened Good oily them fish. the first time and I was like shocked. Yeah. Um, I've got another really random question. This is probably not on the list of things we said we were going to talk about, but I want to ask it. Um, <laughs> so, Michelle, we in my household, it's fair to say we have become increasingly more climate conscious. Um, and one of those things that we have made our changes over is, um, is how we're choosing to eat. And probably for the last, I don't know, 18 months or so at least, um, we've been eating more intentionally vegetarian foods during the week. Neither is our full time vegetarian, myself, and my wife, but we are just generally not eating as much meat for. The purposes of, um, yeah, cost and climate and health, I think is probably fair to say. So a number of different things. What is your kind of thoughts around that? And like one of the things I still kind of panic around is protein intake on a vegetarian diet, even though filling things with beans and lentils and that, and that sort of stuff. Is there any sort of like, well, first, first question is, what's your kind of thought about that balance around nutritional practices and, and for people for training for health and performance around mixing what being i think the word is flexitarian mm-hmm. um and then also what are your go-to vegetarian meal options if for people who are training and therefore need a higher um, amount of protein in their diets 
Yeah, so you can definitely, you have to be, I would say, more conscious about protein intake, but clearly it's very much attainable. It's just being more um, conscious of what you're having and when you're having it. So for example, like I have a couple athletes who will sometimes go more towards that vegetarian. And so we'll have different types of dishes, especially with like tofu or anything with like soy or quinoa that are still those complete protein sources to make sure your body's getting all those amino acids that it needs um, throughout the day as well. So not just, you know, making sure you get it at one certain meal, but making sure you are um, spanning that out throughout your day and getting plenty of protein at each meal, but certainly doable, um, especially as an athlete. Some people have the stigma that as an athlete, you have to just slam protein shakes and eat steak all the time, but certainly not. There's um, plenty of different options for that. And like you said, for sustainability purposes, um, vegetarian can be a great route. Or if you wanted to mix in meat every once in a while or any type of product, animal product like that, like can you source it locally then and also help so, um, your local providers in that way? Yeah, and that's what we tend to try and do. Where we eat meat, we, we buy it directly from a, a farm shop, effectively, or we know where it's come from. Um, but I've, I've actually, I really enjoy vegetarian food, especially the recipes they go to so much more effort to create tasty food when it's not yeah. as easy as just chucking a piece of steak or a chicken breast on the side of a of a plate um Lots i think it's uh seasonings involved which is really fun and great for health as well which we talked about in the course just for inflammation purposes and all that good stuff yeah so tell us a bit about the course you've um put it together for us and um we've i think jacko and you guys have you've been working quite closely together on it um i've just been a spectator really but um give us a bit of an overview about what's in there and how it all fits together and, and what people can expect yeah so it's um a bunch of different modules we go over a ton of different information we start out with um the basics so we talk about macronutrients and micronutrients and then we kind of go into how to properly structure a diet that works for you. So talking about balanced meals and making sure you're getting what you need throughout the day. Um, and then we kind of dive into some more specifics, which we all know we wanted to learn about performance nutrition. So there's a module all about performance nutrition where we talk about nutrient timing, um, recovery nutrition. There's a whole module going over um, supplements also different types of diets. And then there's one that um, we talk about gut health. And then we wrap up with some practical tools. So we give you, um, we all made some recipes where we show our favorite recipes with videos, um, some handouts for grocery shopping guides and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, I think one of the things that's really, um, I guess probably quite proud of the thing we put together in that it's um, it's, it's educational as you know, as all of the the content we try to put together for people, to give to give people the tools to to take charge of it themselves and make those better decisions themselves, and rather than going, this is a diet plan for you, and this is a diet plan for you. It's when those things might not work for for everyone, and just appreciating the fact that everybody is different, and you know all the the, the things that we've talked about in the podcast so far, like those all those different types of diets, and more get explained and discussed and you know you 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 sort of pull those things apart to let people make their own decisions about what's going to work best for them and let them experiment a little bit themselves um and i think that's that's at the heart of it and a really important part of it rather than dictating what you must do but at the same time there are those recipes in there that are um 
that there are some just straight recipes to follow. There's some where you, the, the, there's some really nice ones that you've done where it's a case of like, um, this is this is the basis of how you make a X or how you make a Y, and you can you can use the tools to build different um, different types of things within those one recipes rather than it being so just so strict and so rigid. So I think that that's um, that's one of the one of the real key uh, benefits of it, and the fact that it is you know sharing that philosophy that it's if we if we can focus primarily on health, we're going to be driving ourselves to better performance and a better relationship with food and 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 with our bodies in itself so um yeah thank you for all your hard work with it really excited about uh seeing seeing the the feedback from from those that um from those in the in the community that are wanting to you know we've been wanting to and been asking for some help with the nutrition side of things um so yeah we're really excited to launch it, and it is available uh, now as we speak yeah i'm excited Amazing. So, Michelle, thanks so much for joining us today for a chat through um, loads of the, the just, I think, what, going back to that, that point of the first principles and basics of nutrition, and hopefully that's been useful for people. Um, and there's, there's loads more content coming from, from yourself and from us around this, this topic. So people that are looking to optimize um, their, their training and take, if they've got the basics nailed down, and they're looking to try and improve it further, um, then that's all coming from, from us moving forward. So we're super excited about this new chapter in the School of Calisthenics and, uh, and actually putting out some really high quality um, nutrition information, which we know is going to make a big difference for people. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm excited to start putting out content and I'm happy or I'm excited to get feedback and listen to what they want to hear more about and keep learning about. So if people want to get in touch with you, Michelle, where do they find you? Um, so I am... You can get in touch with me from my email with you guys, Michelle at School Calisthenics. I'm on Instagram, um, Michelle Mikeing, just pretty simple, just my name. Um, that's about all I do for social media. Um, other than that, well done. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. So Michelle, so the, yeah, email Michelle at schoolcalisthenics.com, and uh, also we'll put the link in the show notes um, to the to the course, so people can see the outline of the course. And if they want to. Uh, make that purchase then obviously we would love to see you uh, utilizing all the great information in there and helping you with your uh, your health your nutrition and health um, journey as we as we move forward so what an absolute pleasure i've enjoyed that one and i got to ask some of my own favorite questions as well so i'm gonna leave it there until next time class dismissed so thank you so much again for listening. We don't take it lightly that you uh, give up probably an hour of your time to listen to these podcasts, so we really do appreciate that. We hope you got a load of value out of it, guys, and we would, if you did, we would love you to do a couple of things for us. One of them is tell other people and share it if you thought that we were adding some value, and also if you want to, pop over to iTunes or wherever you're listening to this and give us a five-star review. We like five stars. Four stars, not as good. Keep it five are the best. Five of your best stars, please. <laughs> and if you would like to find out more about the School of Calisthenics and see the best of everything that we have got, head over to our virtual classroom. You can access it from the website at schoolofcalisthenics.com. And that is where we have got literally, possibly, the best calisthenics resource available anywhere in the world. It's definitely the best one we've done. And on that note, until next week, class dismissed. <laughs>